All right, good morning. I got to tell you, I love that song. Um, as you know, it's not the one we've been using. We sometimes change up the different songs that we have for the videos. And this song, and, and, and I saw one of my friends, and they said, so, so dream small? Like, is dreaming big wrong? And I said, no, no, no. What it's teaching you to do is the small things matter. The small things matter. It's great to dream big as long as God is at the center of that dream. And that's just kind of the thrust of the message today. You know, we're talking about uh, castles in the sand. And I don't know about you, how many of y'all have ever built a sandcastle before? Raise your hand. Oh, lots of you guys have. Awesome. Good deal. Well, see, mine, and I did. I, I built sandcastles before, especially, I'm sure I did when I kid, was a kid, because being from Florida, we went to the beach quite frequently. And, um, but also as a dad and as a pawpaw, you know, hey, pawpaw, you want to build a sandcastle? And, you know, yeah, sure, we'll build a sandcastle. But here's the deal. Most of the time, my sandcastles look like, you know, the bucket that you have at the beach, and you flip it upside down, and ta-da, instant sandcastle. You know, or if you don't have a bucket, it kind of looks like a cone head. You know, you know, you take it and you pile the sand up and you kind of pat it down, and somehow it ends up like a miniature volcano. That's that was my take on a sandcastle. But here's the deal: Did you know there's really some magnificent and massive sun, sun castles? A sandcastle. You know, for instance, one of the this first slide here coming up. You know, that's a pretty mat. Can you believe that? Isn't that like? Come on, can't you believe that? Isn't that incredible? You would, you would hurt the person's feelings that made that if you didn't get more excited. You know? But here that is. It's amazing. It's massive. And then look at this one. It's actually magnificent. Look at that. What they do with sand and make these. But here's what I want you to understand, and the third slide really shows it, is this. That as magnificent and as magnificent are they are, all the sandcastles are fleeting. They're temporary. Uh, either, I, I love what Tom McFerrin said, we were talking about the illustration uh, before services today, and here's the deal, you know, you, you sit there and you build this castle, and probably, chances are, the tide's going to come in, and you wait for the tide to come in, and you end up with that. Or, if you're smart, and you build up just a little bit further up from the beach, then a rainstorm comes. Again, in the beach area, like Florida, there's always thunderstorms, it comes, and it does that to your castle. Well, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Often our lives are like those castles. We pour our time, we pour our energy, we pour all that we are into building a life that is so temporary. And as Tom so perfectly said this morning, it's true with life. We build these castles and then all of a sudden the tide comes in and destroys what we build. And I want today, from the Word of God, to teach us, hopefully, about how we can keep that. Listen, we're in our family series, series Fixer Upper. You should be asking yourself your question. If you're here and you've got kids at home, you need to be asking your question, how can I build a home that's going to stand the test of time? That when the tide comes in, it's not going to get washed away. How can I raise kids that will understand the value of eternal things versus temporary things? How can I do that? I, that's my point and my hope today. Mamas and papas, how can we so live our lives and teach our children still and our grandchildren about the permanence of eternity versus the temperance of temporary? It's big. You know, Peter talked about this. We're going to talk a lot with Peter today. In 1 Peter 1.24, I just stumbled upon this this morning, and I wrote it in. Here's what 1 Peter 1.24 says. All flesh is like grass, and all its glory 
like a flower of the grass. You know, have you noticed already? You know, it was just like a month ago, my backyard was super green. I mean, oh, look, Judy, it's so pretty. You know, mowing it, you know, had to mow it every five days, you know, not saying it's a good thing, but it was like a golf course besides the places where there's no grass. But anyway, the grass that was there was really bright green, okay? And then I think last week, Judy said, Dwayne, is the grass okay? It's not quite as green. And what's happened? It got hotter and it, get dry, it gets drier. Grass is temporary. And the flower, the glory of the flower, flowers last. How long do daylilies last? One day. I told Judy, I said, someone needs to create a daylily that lasts longer than a day. And then she goes, in wisdom, it would no longer be a daylily, Dwayne, if you did that, all right? So, so the grass is temporary. The glory like uh, the flowers like the grass. The grass withers. The flower falls and fails, but the word of the Lord endures forever. We as believers in Christ, and God invites you into that relationship, but if you're a Christ follower today, a believer in Jesus Christ, there's something more than temporary. There's something more than this. this. There's something more than pouring your life into it, and there's no legacy. And that is the eternal and word of God and relationship with him. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Kayla Brazier put something on Facebook, and it was a quote. She tagged me in it and said, Dwayne, I thought this really went well with your message, and it did. And I said, but you know what? It goes on this message also. And it's a quote that goes like this. You don't have to live like everyone else. You don't have to live like everyone else. In fact, you'll probably be happier if you don't. See, that's what we do. When I talk about building sand castles, that's what I'm talking about. We, we seek our fulfillment, our purpose, getting things and doing things, and our ultimate goal is to beat the Joneses. Okay? Not these Joneses. Okay? But, but the Joneses, keeping up with them. If they have a house, we get a house. They have a car, we get a car. We keep up with the Joneses. But here's the deal. You know, it's not the Joneses who matter. It's Jehovah. It's Jehovah. It's God. It's God. What we, how we do racing with the folks around us does not matter. But what we do with God certainly, certainly does. Now, this is a verse. I find myself using verses over and over again because of the power of them, not because there's not a lot more in the Bible. But in Matthew chapter 16, verse 25 and 26, this is the bottom line for life. This is the bottom line. It's non-negotiable. Jesus said this. And it's non-negotiable. Here's what he said. For whoever would save his life will lose it. So, the bottom line is this. If you go through life, and everything you do, you pour your life into sandcastles. Things that are temporary. Your money, your time, your talent, everything goes into sandcastles. Trying to find that life that will make you happy. Well, Jesus says if you do that, whoever would save his life is going to lose it. You'll end up with nothing. It's kind of like the guy. Have you ever, have you ever, like, well, you probably haven't done this because it's an illustration. But, but can you imagine being on the sand with me, okay, on a beach? Now, now not the wet sand, okay, but that dry, sugary pan down, pan, sand down at Panama City Beach. Remember that? You get there. Can you imagine scooping that up? and then trying to hold it and running full speed at 100 yards down the beach, you know what you're going to have when you get there most likely? 
some sand that's stuck to your hands. You know, if you seek to save your life, you're going to lose it. You're going to end up empty-handed. But look what Jesus said. He said, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So, so the way to end up with something at the end is not by trying to keep it, but by trying to lose it. It's one of the great paradoxes of the Word of God. Jesus says, if you really want to have a life, you want to discover what life is all about, you've got to be willing to lose it for my sake. What we invest in eternity, whether it be as parents or grandparents or just as believers, what really matters is, what really matters is that we give it all to God. Now listen to this. He says in verse 26, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul. You know, often we are faced with selling our houses. And what I found out with is, is that sometimes, a lot of the time, our house is actually worth more than we thought. And the real estate agent comes and does a little appraisal thing and says, oh, your house is worth this. You're going, really, I can't believe that. And of course, sometimes, it's the other way around. We think our property is worth a zillion dollars, and it's not. It's not. But... Here's my question. If you're going to put your soul on the market, if you decided that you're going to put your soul on the market, what price would you ask? What price would you ask? If, you're, if, you're to, if the devil was to come and offer you a deal, and he goes, I'll give you anything you want, all you have to do is give me your soul, what price would you ask? And let me ask you a question. What price is worth eternity separated from God? What price is worth eternally separated from God? And what you're going to find out is this. Your soul is too valuable. Your soul is too valuable. And then we can throw in there, and I think without violating scriptures, and we say, what is the profit of man if he gained the whole world and loses marriage? What is the profit of man if he gained the whole world and lose your children? What does the profit of man if he gained the whole world and lose your integrity and your character? These are hard, valuable questions. And that's the bottom line. Do you really want to end up at the end with nothing but a few granulars of sand stuck to your hands? Then Jesus goes one step further. He says, what shall a man give in return for his soul? If you're going to trade your soul, what would you trade? What would be the deal? I remember I was like seventh grade. Now you understand, food and I have been friends all our lives. Okay? I didn't, I didn't gain an affection for food like five years ago. Okay, I've been a food guy all my life. I've been a foodie all my life. Well, back in the days when I was like the seventh grade, all right, get ready. I'm going to show my age here. You could get lunch for a quarter. Now, most of y'all, remember a while back we said, how many, something, name something teenagers have not seen, and it was a typewriter. They probably didn't even seen a quarter. I mean, we know in an era now, if there's a quarter on the sidewalk, most of us will walk past it. Okay, well, back in my day, in the seventh grade, you could get lunch for a quarter. So mom gave me the quarter. Now sometimes we had to take our lunch and we ate the potted meat and bean and sausages and all that gross stuff, okay? But sometimes we actually got to buy our lunch. So, so mom gave me a quarter for lunch and we're staying at the bus stop and this dude has some football cards. I think like, I don't know, eight, ten of them, I don't know. And boy, they were looking, those cards looked incredible. And so here's what he said, he goes, I'll give them to you for a quarter. Shoot, I said, man, 
cards? You know, like, you know, football cards? For a quarter? Yeah. So you know I did, don't you? Yeah, I gave him my quarter. And it was a great deal until 12 o'clock. And I tried to trade those cards, and no one wanted them. You know why? We were all hungry. We were all hungry. What would you trade for your soul? What would you trade for your soul? What does the world have to offer you that you're willing to trade your soul? Those are hard, good questions. All right? So here we are, and we want to now go to 2 Peter. And this is probably one of the coolest scriptures, I think, in the New Testament. It just really is. Written by a guy who messed up miserably. Okay? And he tells us the secret to how we can have something left at the end. How we can have a legacy. How we can live a full, purposeful, abundant life as Christ followers. Now again, keep in mind, I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about joining a church. But, it, but when we reach a point when we admit we're sinners, we turn from our sin, and we choose to follow Christ, that's a Christ follower. When we do that, what I'm going to teach today applies. And if you've not done that, you please listen, okay? But I want to encourage you at the end of our service when we have our decision time, you need to come down and talk to Brent and say, Brent, I need to know Jesus first. I liked what the preacher had to say today, but I can't claim it because I don't know Jesus, okay? So you need to do that today. But for us to know Christ, these are powerful verses. Powerful verses. Let's take a look at First Peter, excuse me, Second Peter chapter one, verse three. Second Peter chapter one, verse three. Now we're really going to break this up. I'm going to read this verse number three, then we're going to come back and dissect it, okay? His divine power, and his being God, his divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness. That is so good. Through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Okay, that's just loaded. That, that is just loaded with truth, okay? It starts out by saying this is not our gig. This is not something we're going to do. The Christian life is never about you. It's about God working through you. So it's by his divine power. I love what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse number 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. So it is God's power working in our lives that is the game changer, okay? So his power then, his divine power, has given us everything. I like this. We're born complete. See, so often, like, you know, for instance, if I buy a car, then no matter how many accessories that car has, I've got to add to it to make it mine. That usually involves painting the calipers red, or some other color, putting on pinstriping, darkening the windows, somehow to make it, okay? No car with me was born complete. I know in the Christian faith, sometimes people say, well, you've got to have a, a second baptism of the Holy Spirit. You've got to have this. You've got to have that. But, but Peter's teaching us his divine power has given us everything. We are born complete. There, we don't need anything added, okay? It's all given to us at the new birth. So his divine power has given us everything, now watch, required for life and godliness. Okay, now, he gives us everything, okay, but it's everything required for life and godliness. See, some of y'all trusted Jesus going, some preacher told me if I trust Jesus, I'll have everything. I'll never get sick and I'll never be poor and I'll have new cars and new houses. It's going to be a great gig. And guess what? You got sick. And, and you lost your job. 
you know? And your kids didn't turn out right. You're going, what, huh? Well, see, God, when he says he gives us everything, it's not everything. It's everything required for life and godliness. I wrote this down. God is in the God business, not the make me happy business. God is in the God business, not to make me happy business. So he gives me everything that's required for life and godliness, for abundant life, for eternal life, and godliness. That's huge. That's huge. It's a promise that he's made that we can claim. In fact, he goes on and says this, through the knowledge of him who called us. How does all this happen? By the, by the knowledge of the one who called us. Now, understand, this word knowledge is the personal encounter. It's the personal encounter. This becomes possible not because I have knowledge that there was a man, Jesus, 2,000 years ago who lived and died, but it's personal to me. The Lord is not a shepherd. The Lord is not the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And Peter says that when we run into Jesus and he runs into us and we become a Christ follower, our sins are forgiven, we come in a relationship with God the Father, when that happens, okay, he, it all happens because of the knowledge, the personal encounter that we have of him who called us by his own glory and goodness, by his character. His own glory and goodness is his character. It's who he is. All this happens because of who Jesus Christ is. Okay? So he's going to give us everything we need. We're born complete. He gives us everything we need to do life, okay, and godliness. All right? It's all going to happen. It's because we ran into Jesus and he ran into us, and our sins were forgiven. We turn from our sin. Our sins are forgiven, okay, and we come in relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, look at verse number four. By these his glory and goodness, his character, his nature, who he is, by these he has given us very great and precious promises. By this, there's a whole bouquet of promises that are given to us as Christ followers. You know, see, I don't think we sometimes understand what all God did for us. I mean, and by the way, he is a promise keeper, not a promise breaker. Someone say amen. Okay, he's a promise keeper, not a promise breaker. So if he makes these wonderful promises, he's going to keep those precious promises. All right? Now, sometimes those promises are now and sometimes they're later. David has a little three-word saying. Um, I checked it to make sure I got it right. Okay? And the little three-word saying is already but not yet. Already but not yet. Okay? There's some promises and some parts of promises that are already fulfilled when we trust Jesus Christ as Savior. But some are not yet. You know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Okay? So when I trust Jesus Christ as Savior, I have everlasting life. Everlasting life does not start after the last heartbeat. It starts the first beat, heartbeat after you trust Jesus. Eternal life. Okay? But here's the deal. Here's the deal. That's the part now. But there's the not yet part. The not yet part is eternity in a place called heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ as we worship and celebrate him forever. Already, not yet. Already, not yet. I am the resurrection and life, Jesus said. 
He who believes in me, even though he die, yet shall he live. Okay? The already part is, when I'm born again, I have eternal life. There's a part of me that will never, never die. Okay? But the truth is, we're all going to die physically. So the not yet part is the fact that we're going to die physically. But one day we're going to be made alive again. Amen? I mean, this is really good. This is really good. This is going to help you because you think sometimes this is all there is. And that's, that's, that's the allurement of sandcastles. Because sandcastles, you don't go, oh, look. Look at all that I have. Look at all that I amassed. But you are tempted to forget it's temporary. And then you look at your life of a believer and go, their life looks a lot better than mine. His boat's bigger. His house is bigger. His car's newer. Hang on. It's already, but not yet. There's a better day coming. I, I, let me just, I'm not going to get through this message anyway. And so let me, I, I just want to do this. Because these are good. Listen, keep in mind the already, not yet. And keep in mind the precious promises of God. Listen to what Paul writes to the church of Ephesus in verse 3 of chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Now, listen, you don't have to work through that one very hard. It's past tense. So he's saying, bless God, who's already, past tense, blessed us with all the spiritual blessings in heavenly places. It's already, but not yet. God's salvation is so sure, somebody say amen, it's so sure that it's already happened. It's as if God sees me as if I'm already in heaven. That's how sure it is. The already part is that I'm born again. I'm eternally alive. But he already sees me, and that's the not yet part, he already sees me as if I was already in heaven. Um, let's go over to verse number, uh, oh dear, I hope I can find this. That was a dangerous thing, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Verse 13 of chapter 1. Listen to this. In him you also trusted. After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, okay, in whom also, having believed, you were, here it is, sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. I like that sealed. It's like something that's canned. I know all about canning, you know. It's something that's sealed so no germs can get in. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. Satan can't change it. Your wife can't change it. The deacons can't change it. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Nothing can change it. Amen? That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. He goes on then and says this. He says in verse 14, Who is the guarantee, the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. Well, Dwayne, what does that mean? That means right now, the day you got saved, God gave you His Holy Spirit. You were born complete. He gave you the Holy Spirit. It's a down payment, though. It's a guarantee until the purchase, the redemption of the purchased possession. Already, we've got the Holy Spirit. But not yet are we there. But one day we will be. See, and that's all, that's all talking about. By these, he's given us very great and precious promises. It's so big. It's so big. And then he goes on and says this. So that through them, through them, through those precious promises, you may share in the divine nature. So through the promises of God, he keeps his word. He says, if you will do this, 
If you'll turn from your sin, if you'll believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, my son, and what he did, and the fact he resurrected on the third day, and if you're willing to follow him, I will forgive your sins, and you can come to relationship with me. There's not a giant scale. There's not some kind of performance standard about if I go to church enough or give enough. The fact is, I am saved by grace through faith. And you are too if you're saved today. These wonderful promises that he makes. Well, I wasn't sure the terminology, but I think I'm fixing to introduce a mixed metaphor. I looked up on the internet and I still didn't understand it. But here's the deal. When I developed this message, okay, I'm talking about sandcastles, that's a metaphor. Using sand, I'm teaching a, a truth about the temporary part of life, if we choose to live that way. I want to use now a different metaphor that came to me last night, so much so that I had to share with Judy when I got in bed. Now, I know you probably don't get in bed with your wife and talk about sermons. It's one of the things about being a pastor, okay? She was very gracious last night. But here's how it goes. I'm going to start again at the top of verse 4 and watch as we go. By these, he has given us very great and precious promises, so that through them you may share in the divine nature. Escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. Escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. Now that's big. That's big. So here's what happened. I started thinking about the word escape. And, and I wrote down, initially I wrote down uh, the power to escape. We had the power to escape the corruption in this world because of these great promises that he's already given us. And then I got to thinking. Did you know that on, let me get the right date here. Yeah, yeah. July the 16th this year, July the 16th this year will be the 50th anniversary of when the rocket, the Saturn V rocket launched to go to the moon. Did you know that? 50 years. July 16, 1969, I was 15 years old, okay, and they launched that rocket and going to the moon. Now, they had launched lots of other rockets before, okay, but never one like this. What made this one different? This rocket was the first time men were leaving this world and going to another world. They were going to escape planet Earth and go to another planet, well, a moon. All right? Now, here's the deal. Does anybody know how fast you have to go to escape the pull of the earth? Are you ready? 25,000 miles an hour. That's the magic number. If a spaceship is going to take off from Cape Canaveral and fly up in order for it to escape the pull of the world, follow that away, escape the pull of the world, in order for it to escape the pull of gravity from the world, it has to exceed, maintain, exceed for a duration of time until they're out in space, a speed of 25,000 miles an hour. That's fast than Tracy Holloway drives. Okay? At least that fast. At least that fast. Okay? And if it maintains that speed, it can escape the pull of gravity and go to another world. Okay, folks, these, these great, wonderful promises of God, 
And by the way, that's called the escape velocity. Did you know we have an escape velocity? It's the great and wonderful promises of God fulfilled through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how we escape the pull of the world. Have you felt the pull of the world? You're trying to do the right thing, and it pulls you. You try to stay faithful in your marriage, and something pulls you. You, you want to maintain your integrity, and something pulls you. Uh, kids, you're at school, at Harrisburg High School or, or middle school, and there's something pulling you. What do you do with that? You know, do you think I can, like Thomas the Train, I think I can do this, I think I can? You'll fail every time. You do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's your escape velocity. Amen? Isn't that a good illustration? Isn't that powerful? See, it's not us. And here's the deal. If that rocket gets up within five miles of where gravity ceases, if this engines go out, it still plummets. This is an all-or-nothing deal. It's all the way in. It's all the way in. Here's what Warren Wiersbe said. Where there is life, there must be growth. The new birth is not the end, it's a beginning. So where there is life, there must be growth. There must be a continued propulsion pulling you away from, how did Peter say it? The corruption that is in the world because of evil desires. This world's consumed with evil desires. How do we escape the corruption, the pull of the world in our lives? We do it through the Holy Spirit being lived out in us and trusting and believing the faithful promises of God. That's how it happens. That's how it happens. And there's so many Christians. There's so many Christians. There's two things. There's too many Christians building sandcastles. We have bought the lie that this is all there is. Yeah, there's a heaven, but you know, that seems a long way off. I need something tangible here. We've bought the lie of the world. That's what the world believes. And that it won't be as good as we think it is. Well, it's going to be better than you think it is. It will be worth it all. It will be worth it all. So in 2 Peter 1, 5-7, he gives us some things. Okay? Now here's where Judy really shined last night. So I explained this to her. You know, it's 10 o'clock at night. We're laying in bed in the dark. I'm explaining this illustration to her. She goes, uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Oh, 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 okay. All right. I said, I said then... I said, Paul gives us eight things. I said, you know what that is? You know what she said? It's the rocket fuel. I said, that's exactly right, Judy. It's exactly right. These eight things, and boy, he makes it really clear. These eight things, okay, are the power, the fuel that will push us beyond the corruption of this world. This, this is the fuel that will cause us to look into eternity and not temporary. This is the fuel that will cause us to build lives on the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ and not on sinking sand. This is the fuel. And guess what? It's kind of like the fruit of the Spirit, but not. You know, when you got saved, you know, Galatians chapter 5 lists all the fruit of the Spirit. You've got all of them. You didn't get all the gifts, okay? But you got all the fruit. You got all the fruit, all right? And every one of these are in your, are in your arsenal. Okay, look what he says. For this very reason, make every, every effort to supplement your faith. Okay, so you got that slide back there, faith builders? I kind of got it out of order. I know I did. 
You got that there? Yeah, there you go. Faith builders. Building faith one block at a time. Now, the key word for this, now, y'all know what those are, don't you? Yeah, those are Legos. Yeah. And you, what you do is you hook them together and they become something. You, know, by, you could lay out a thousand Legos on the floor without hooking them together and they're just a bunch of Legos. Okay? But, at the same time, if you bring those things together and put them together in the right order, all of a sudden they become something meaningful. Okay, these eight things, okay, come together. See that word supplement? For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. You know, what, what Peter's saying is these have got to come together. Okay? They kind of, and they build upon one another. Okay? When I was in the Air Force, um, I was an admin person, and I was in charge often of the, of the base technical library. And what that meant was is they had all these manuals that told them how to operate the base. Okay? So they would print a new manual out, and invariably, someone would change their mind. So they came out with a supplement. And I, my job was to take that supplement put it in the same binder, go to the page that was supplemented, and say, see supplement number two. So when that person's reading that manual, and he says, see supplement number two, oh, there's something new here. Okay? So then he would go back to the supplement and see what changed. Well, these, these eight items, okay, build on one another and supplement one another. For instance, you know, where it says, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness. So when you put your faith and goodness together, something magical happens. Something powerful happens. All right? The goodness becomes stronger and the faith becomes stronger because you put the two together. And so it goes. So if you take your faith and your goodness and your knowledge, they come together and they become stronger together. And these things build one another. Your faith, your goodness, your knowledge, your self-control, your endurance, your godliness, your brotherly affection, and your love. All these come together... Okay, and give you the power that you need to accept the corruption that's in this world, to leave this world and go to another world, and to live victoriously in this life. It's your rocket fuel. It's your rocket fuel. If you don't go back to the sandcastles, we don't build sandcastles. We build castles out, out of brick. These are your bricks to build your foundation in your life. You see the difference? Sandcastles are temporary. The sand is temporary. But God gives us faith and goodness and knowledge and self-control, endurance and godliness and brotherly affection and love. Now, here's the deal. I think, I think I'm going to let you do this on your own. On the sermon sheet and in the app, okay, there are scriptures listed for each one of these. I'm going to do the first and last and then let you do all the rest in the middle. Just go through and look at, not now, but look at the scriptures that I have listed to go with these different, uh, eight different things. But we start out, notice what he starts out with. He says, uh, faith. And here's what I chose, Hebrews 11:6. Without faith, without faith, it is impossible. Somebody say impossible. Now you need to know that, okay? Everything we do with God is based on faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Okay? For whoever would draw near to God, if you're going to have a relationship with God, you must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Everything we do is... And again, that tangible sandcastle looks so good. You can touch it. You can feel it. But then you're over here trying to do life like Christ wants you to, and the sandcastle looks so big and beautiful, and yours doesn't look so big or beautiful. It ain't over. 
It ain't over. Okay? I mean, it looks like good now, but this will look good forever. Okay? And all happens through faith. It all happens through faith. We are people. We walk by faith and not by sight. Not by sight. Without faith. Uh, let, me, let me see if I can pull this off. It's always, boy, I like doing dangerous things. Yeah, listen to this. Just give me a minute here, okay? Because I want you to get this. Hebrews 11. Yeah, okay, well, I'll find it later. Just give me a minute here. We'll be good. By faith, by faith, by faith. By faith, Joseph, by faith. Now, hang with me now. Now, don't, don't get frustrated, okay? Oh, here it is. Uh, all these have obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God had provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect apart from us. All these, talking about Hebrews chapter 11, all of them did not receive the promise. Okay? So don't think God's let you down because you can't see the promise fulfilled. It's going to come true. He's, he's not a liar. He's not a liar. Satan is. Satan will lie to you and say his promises aren't real. You know, God's not real. God doesn't love you. God doesn't care. He does. And his promises will come true. His promises will come true. So on the end of this, see, I'm skipping two pages of notes. You'll thank me at lunchtime. The last one, faith, is, the second one is love. The last one is love, okay? Now you know this. And by the way, can I just throw this out? You know, Roth and Annie, you know, you need to know this, okay? I don't know who's going to do your sermon, ceremony. But, you know, every, almost every ceremony I do when people get married, I read this. And if we would allow, now if they're believers, if we would allow God to work this out in our lives, man, you're talking about a strong marriage, you're talking about eternal marriage, you know, through, through the end of this life. Listen, love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy, it's not boastful, it's not arrogant, it's not rude, it's not self-seeking, it's not irritable, does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. So the book ends is everything we do, we do by faith. And the other end of the book end is love. And then in the middle is all these wonderful characteristics already given to us by God. Now let me put a bow on this. In 2 Peter 1.8, 2 Peter 1.8, here's what he says. If you possess these qualities, what qualities? The eight. Now notice the word if. You say, well, Dwayne, we all got it. Well, hang on. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, these qualities should constantly be growing in our lives, not stagnant. They should be constantly growing in our life. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you. Somebody say keep you. They will keep you. They will guard you. They will prevent you from becoming useless and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, if you want abundant life, if you want the power of God thriving in your life, let these things increase. Let them grow in you. Don't become stagnant in your faith. Keep your, keep your rocket fuel. Keep it tanked up so you can escape the pull of this world and go on to another world. All right? And look at verse number 9, 2 Peter 1, 9. The person who lacks these things. So if you do them, all right, it'll keep from being useless and unfruitful, 
if the person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted. The person who chooses not to do those things is blind and short-sighted. Now, let me give you another name for people who are blind and short-sighted. Sandcastle builders. Because, see, when you're short-sighted, all you can see is this. All you can see is whatever you have here. There's, you, you almost live as if there's nothing else. So you pour all your eggs, all your nickels, all your dimes right here because you start believing that's all there is. Do you understand that's a lie from hell? If you're a Christ follower, there's so much more. You can't, you can't begin to understand the things that God has prepared for you. Live like it. Live like it. Don't be this person, the person who lacks these things. They're not growing. They're stagnant. Is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. What's the greatest thing that ever happened to you? Let me tell you what it is. I can tell you. I don't even know your name. If you're a Christ follower, the greatest thing that's ever happened to you is the day you met Jesus. When he forgave your sins. That's the greatest thing that's ever happened. And what, how tragic it is when we forget what he did for us. See, when we start forgetting what he did for us, that looks attractive. That sandcastle looks really attractive. When we forget what he's done for us, we all of a sudden become ungrateful. God don't do enough for me. He does it for my neighbor. He's not even saved. And God does more for him than he does for me. No. You just forgot. You know, why, do we have, why do we have Memorial Day? So you can have a day off, Right? So you can cook hamburgers and hot dogs tomorrow. No. We have Memorial Day to remember those who died for our freedom. Why did God, why did the Lord give us the Lord's Supper? To remember the shed, the broken body, the shed blood. When you do this, you do what? In remembrance of me. You don't want to become forgetful. You don't want to forget these things. Okay, But what happens, the person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. Therefore, you remember what the old saying is, every preacher used it, when there's a therefore, you look and see what it's there for. All right, therefore, Peter says, therefore, because the person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins, therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort do whatever it takes. Whatever he's fixing to say, he says, this is important. You've got to do this. Mark, mark it down. You've got to. All right? Make every effort to confirm your calling and election. To make sure your vision is set on Christ. To make sure your, your dreams are set on Christ. To make sure your goals and purposes are set on Christ. In Christ alone. In Christ alone. Confirm your calling election. Because if you do these things, you will never stumble. I like this. Verse 11. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly provided for you. You know what I thought about? I even looked it up. I couldn't find a good picture of it. Ticker tape parade. I thought about 
after VE Day and VJ Day and all those soldiers coming home and they were marching down the streets and there was confetti flying and there was all the streamers flying. You almost couldn't see the people for all the ticker tape. And they're all saying, Welcome home! Well, Peter says, in this way, by keeping your rocket fuel filled up, by not building sandcastles. See, I mixed that metaphor for you. See, by not building sandcastles, but building on the rock. By escaping the corruption of this world, by, not by your performance, but by, your, by believing, by faith, in the great precious promises of God, by a personal knowledge of Jesus Christ, where you meet Him and He came your Savior. By all of that, okay, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly provided. It is a big band affair. You know, the Bible says that when, the, when a lost person is saved, that the angels rejoice. I think, by the way, I wrote down, I got a feeling part of this is going to be well done. We all say, you know, we always say that, you know, we want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. Can you even imagine what that would sound like coming from Jesus? You know, my wife did something yesterday, and um, it made me feel good. You know, there's always things to do. Y'all, anybody here have honeydew list? Yeah, well, she has honeydew list, but hers changes. And just when I've got that honeydew list done, we, we add some more honeydew list. Well, I did good yesterday, didn't I? You know, she said, can you clean the filter in the hot tub? And, and I don't remember all it was now. There are about three or four things. But I was sitting there watching the Cardinals play. She walked in and she said these words. Thank you for helping me today. I really Shoot, I jumped over the moon for her. Said, you, got, you got anything else you want done? All of a sudden, I'm Superman. I got my second win. Well, let me tell you something. There's going to be nothing sweeter than when we get to heaven. And we've earned, now I carefully use that word, can't earn our salvation, can't earn God's affection, can't earn God's, all that, but we've earned the right to hear the Lord Jesus say, well done. So build your life carefully. Build your life carefully. Don't, don't get sucked in to the sand. Don't, don't, don't move into the subdivision of sandcastles. Because remember, they look good. They're impressive. A lot of work, a lot of labor. Then Tom, the tide comes in, and it's just a lump of sand. Believe the great and precious promises of God. That what He has promised you, and He's never lied once. He's never lied once. And I've got a minute and 57 seconds. So let me just say this. If you're here today, you may have just came into church, don't usually come to church. Maybe somebody promised you a free lunch. I don't know. But I want to end with these words on my lips. The best decision you can ever make is to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. For me, it was about 45 years ago, and it's never been a bad decision. It's always been a great decision. It's always been great. Church is fine. Religion is fine. But Jesus is great. And Jesus is what gets you to heaven, not church or religion. You say, well, Dwayne, there's so many imperfect people. I know. You know what? If you go to a hospital, you see sick people. 
Well, this is just a gathering of broken, imperfect people, a lot who have experienced God's grace. And we just want you to experience that too. So my friend Brent's going to be standing down front at the end of the service just in a moment. And just come down and say, Brent, I want to know what Dwayne talked about today. I want to know Jesus Christ as my own personal Savior. And our joy will be to introduce you to him. Let's pray. Well, God, thank you so much for the privilege that's mine to share today. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for these, I mean, the whole book's full of them, Father. These exceedingly great promises. Thank you for your amazing grace that enables us to come to relationship with you. Totally apart from works or performance. Totally on you. Father, I pray that we'll keep our rocket fueled up. I pray, Father, that we'll soar above the fray of the depravity of this world on our way to a place called heaven. Father, I pray you may have spoken to a person's heart today. Give them the courage to come and take Brent by the hand and find out how they can trust Jesus as their Savior. I pray for every mom and dad, every husband, wife, every grandma, grandpa, that we'll have the courage to not build castles in the sand, but houses on the rock. And Jesus, I pray this in your name.